Hey there, it's Bailey Hancock, career happiness strategist, creator of The One Year Career, and your host of The Bailey Hancock Show, a podcast that helps people figure out how to make big career moves with small steps. Navigating your career doesn't have to suck. I'm here to help you learn to love the process. Hey guys, Bailey Hancock here. Welcome back to the show. Today, and I know I say this a lot, but I have one of my favorite people on the whole planet here, <laughs> Ms. Janet Skialis, better known as the star goddess. So I've ah. been teasing since the launch of this show that I'm having an astrologer on, and today is that day. And here's my rationale. I am a huge, first of all, I'm a huge personal fan of astrology. And one of the reasons is I see it as data points and it's just good information. Whether you believe it or not, I don't really care. I do, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> So the reason I wanted Janet on is because there's a lot to be said in astrology for finding your life's purpose, your you know professions that make sense for you, your strengths, your talents, all of these things. And so I'm just super excited to have Janet on the show, not only to tell you how the hell one becomes an astrologer, but to tell you how to actually use your astrological portrait and chart to hope point, hopefully point you in the right direction towards a path and a career you love. So Janet, welcome to the party. Thank you. It's my favorite thing to do is to talk about astrology. And thank God it's not like Tinkerbell. It exists whether you believe in it or not. There you go. You know, so, so if you're a hater yeah. and you don't feel like it, bye. Yeah, we don't care. Yeah, we don't care. <laughs> the astrology is, first of all, it's the oldest science ever. When guys were looking at the heavens, you know, eight, 10,000 years ago, they really weren't planning on sending a rocket ship to Mars. They wanted to know, is it going to rain? If so, when is it going to rain? You know, when is the best time to plant? When is when is the sun going to return to the Northern Hemisphere, which is why they built Stonehenge to be able to tell when the last day of, of um, summer is and when the first day of winter is. So they know if they put their crops in the ground, the light is going to be longer. And that's why it's built out of stone, because it needs to be written in stone. So you, it's always constant. And, and astrology is nothing more than a series of adjectives to describe the different electromagnetic frequencies that are always bathing the earth. And then at a cellular level, little ion channels open and close. And, and that's what causes our response to the different energies. And the thing I love about skeptics is the less you know about astrology, the more your chart fits you like a glove. A lot of us <laughs> who have some less than desirable astrological qualities um, probably started studying astrology to learn, how do I overcome being a know-it-all Virgo? Um, and <laughs> the way you do that, yeah. What, what could I possibly be referring to? Um, and, and so for me, it explained not the what, uh, but the why people did what they did. Why, why did people behave in a particular pattern? And why did they respond to a given stimulus in a particular way? And then once I got to the, oh, there's an explanation for that, I got to then, well, how can I use this? How can I make this work for me? And if you know that a particular planet in a particular sign produces a particular result every single time, and you know that energy is going to be there on Tuesday. Um, you can then choose through your God-given act of free will how you're going to direct that energy. And you can choose to act, which is a free will choice. And you can choose not to act, which is also a free will choice. When you simply allow something to occur, you're giving tacit approval. It's okay. You don't really mind. So that's a conscious choice. Hmm. So to me, being a very pragmatic, practical Virgo, it's like, well, okay, how can I make this energy work for me in my life? which is what kind of launched me on the, the path I'm on now. So, Which, let's go to that point. So, <laughs> you know, 
Were you always growing up interested in astrology or when? No. Oh, no. I was raised a very strict Catholic. We didn't believe in this kind of stuff. It wasn't until I got to college uh, during the dawning of the age of Aquarius that um, I, knew I, I knew I wanted to be a coach. And I thought I always knew I was very athletic and I wanted to be a phys ed coach. And I thought, mm. okay, if I'm going to be a phys ed coach, I have to be the very best. So my thought was I'm going to go ahead and coach Olympians. Um, why aim small? I and mean, so go big or go home. If you're going to, yeah, go big or go home. <laughs> so, so I majored in physical education because I knew I needed to know everything about their body. Well, and I minored in psychology because I knew that I had to be able to figure out what is the best way to motivate each individual athlete. Mm. And while I was in college, I, and actually it was actually a man that drove me to astrology. Um, I learned there was a Leo that I, that I was just so head over heels in love with. And I couldn't get, no matter how attracted I was, I couldn't make this relationship work. And in desperation, I opened Linda Goodman's Sun Signs. And she wrote the very first popular culture um, astrological book in the 1970s. And, and it said about Leo that in order to get a Leo's attention, you have to flatter them, tell them how handsome they are, how, how great they are, what a great artist they are, and sit at their feet and be their adoring audience. And I thought, okay, well, I'm not really good at that, but I can try. If that's what it takes, I will do that. So I modified my own behavior um, and did all the, oh, you're so smart, you're so handsome, you're so this, you're so that. And it worked. And, and all of a sudden, this Leo started paying a lot of attention to me. And I thought, oh, this is great. And then I found out that it was a full-time job to orbit's Leo's star because yeah, Leo- exhausting. It, it was. <laughs> I thought, oh, God, now what am I going to do? I have to babysit this Leo all day long and constantly feed his ego. So, but what it taught me is that different people respond to different energies. And if I knew, if I had an, an outcome that I wanted- I knew what it took to motivate them, what behavior I needed to manifest in order to get their attention and make it work. So, and that translated into my athletes. If I could figure out what it is that motivates psychologically each athlete, I could do that and stimulate them for a greater performance. And so that just started the manipulating the energy to get what I want. Because that's pretty much what Virgos are all about. How can I manipulate things? Yeah, to get what it is that I want. And Have you ever done the Strengths Finder test? No. So I, I put money on the fact that you, one of your five strengths would be individualism. I have the same one and it's, it's, we treat every single person as they want to be treated or we communicate with them in the exact way that feels most conducive to them. Yes. And that sounds like that's what you initially started out with astrology to do. I use it for the same way. I collect all of my friends chart information yeah. so I know how to approach them. Well, yeah. And I've done that. I, I did that when I started coaching girls um, softball teams was I found that I got along better with particular signs. I got a better result with particular signs. And, and so when we come down to the draft, I wouldn't draft cancers. I, I once drafted an entire team of Virgos because I knew that as a Virgo, oh, if I could explain like- to them, oh, ex- oh, they were wonderful. Oh my they God. were made. We went, we went 18 and one that year. You know, because this was an entire team of Virgos, which means that if I told them exactly how to do something and show them exactly how to do it, they would do it. You know, and I thought, oh, this is wonderfully manipulative. So this. <laughs> I love yeah, it. And for those yeah. listening, Janet and I are both Virgos. Yes. Yes, we are. So there's a lot of Virgo love here. Yeah, there's a lot. And even, even now on my high school team, um, I'm an assistant coach. I'm the hitting coach. And so I, I coach with an Aquarian head coach who is the visionary, the big picture. And I'm the one that sits there and goes, here's how you put your hands. This is why you step and then you open your hips and then you turn your head and you take your hands to the ball. 
and he's the one that, that does the visionary stuff. And I, and I had to laugh because when I did their charts, I found that I had a whole team full of Sagittarians mm. and Leos and Geminis and Aries. I have five pictures. Three of them are Aries, mm. you know, and two are right on the Aries Pisces cusp and one is on the Aries Taurus cusp because you need that in, in you know, to be competitive in softball. And, and I appeal to them differently. A Leo, you can challenge, you know, you, you can't do that with um, a cancer, their feelings will get hurt. So it's, I try to avoid them on my that. I've, I've always had really good friendships with cancers for yeah. various reasons. And Aries were always the guys. Inevitably, growing up high school, I would always date Aries men. And it yeah. worked out because we both were so competitive with one right. another. And they pissed right. me off inevitably because they thought they were better than me. And I was like, right. I kill you. And I would, <laughs> yeah, imagine that. And that you would rise to the challenge. So yeah. The funniest thing is for people can, um, that are listening can go, I really don't believe in this. It's like, well, okay, take a look at the dates of birth of your parents, your mom and dad, and see what sign of the zodiac they are and find out if you don't date people that are either the sign of your father or your mother. I and when, especially when it's I the sign of your father. With the sign of my mother. Yeah, well, and that's better than marrying somebody with the sign of your father because that's a little creepy. Yeah, you know, but, actually, my dad's a Taurus, and I have never once ever dated a Taurus. Yeah, no, no. But your mom's the first one that provided nurturing, love, and caring for you. Mm-hmm. And that's why you're drawn to that energy, because that energy is what is familiar to you. And honestly, we want to we wanna hang with people that vibrate at the same or similar frequency that we do. We hire people that are the same sign of the Zodiac as us. George Steinbrenner, of the owner of the Yankees for years and years, is a cancer. Um, and Derek Jeter, his star shortstop, is a cancer. And we do that all the time. We elect people. Um, the United States is a, um, it's a cancer born on the 4th of July. Mm. Um, its moon sign is Aquarius, and its rising sign is Gemini. Donald Trump is a Gemini. John Kennedy is a Gemini. George Bush, the first one, is a Gemini. George Bush, the second one, is a cancer. Hmm. We have elected more cancer presidents than any other sign of the Zodiac. The second sign we elect the most are Aquarians because the moon sign of the United States is Aquarius. And because our rising sign is Gemini, that's why we always end up fighting a two-front war, two, maybe three-front war. And we do that historically every 84 and every 42 years, starting from 1776. You know, if you add those numbers up, you know, 42 from 76 takes you to the War of 1812 to 1816. 84 from 76 takes you to 84, 60. Oh, the, the Mexican War, leading into the Civil War. The Civil War was 84 years, I think, before World War II, World War One. So, you know, and it's sort of like the guy that said, those who don't remember the past are doomed to repeat. It was talking about predictable, repeatable cycles. And that's what astrology makes its money on. Where a psychic will tell you this person is going to look like this or that. And um, astrology will say, yeah, well, you're going to meet this person between this date and this date. Because that's when the energy will be available. So, so talk, talk a little bit about the difference. For those that are not, I, let's assume most people listening don't know past their sun sign, right? What, what, what do you say to people when they're like, oh, psychics, astrologers, ma ma ma? What would you say the main difference is? Between a psychic and an astrologer, an astrologer actually um, can look up in a book and see what your energy is on the moment you took your first breath um, and, and tell you what your proclivities and your tendencies are. Um, Abraham Maslow was a brilliant psychologist, uh, and he devised a thing called his pyramid or hierarchy of needs. And, it, and it's pretty much a pyramid shape, and it starts at the bottom of the, of, the, of the pyramid, comes with 
the five physical needs for air, water, food, sleep, and sex. Um, not enough air, you're going to die. Not enough water, you're going to die. Not enough food, you're going to die. Not enough sleep, you're going to die. Not enough sex, just wish you were dead. Um, <laughs> but it's a, it's a physical need. It is at the bottom of our pyramid. But how much air, how much water, how much food, how much sleep, and how much sex each individual requires is predicated on what sign of the zodiac their sun sign is in, because that's your identity. And because it's a physical need, what sign of the zodiac your Mars is in? Hmm. Above that come the psychological needs. And those four psychological needs are for safety, security, order, and protection. I, I have um, a Mars in Leo, and I have a moon in Virgo. So strapped to, every, to my bed and to my desk in my office, because I work in an office by myself on Highway 41, is a 380 pistol with the, with the hammer cocked, you know? And, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll be, you know, telling people about this at my office and I'll pull this gun out and, and some people will recoil in horror because they define um, safety and security by staying out of rooms with guns yeah. and people with guns. And they'll say, is it loaded? And I'll go, of course it is. Otherwise, it would just be a paperweight. And when they express shock, I'll go, it's a 38. It's not like it's a 44 cannon. You know, it's not like a, it's not like a shotgun. It's a, just designed pretty much for my own safety. But that's how I define it. Does that mean I'm right to define it? I'm right for me. It might not be right for you. Above that come the emotional needs. And those needs are for care, comfort, and contact, for love. And there's three different types of love. Um, there's the very famous erotic love, which takes the emotions of love. And, and your emotional needs are predicated on what side of the zodiac your moon sign is in and what side of the zodiac your uh, Venus planet of love is in. And, and so we take the emotional experience of love and we combine it with the physical need of sex and that's erotic love. When we don't have erotic love for one reason or another, we go immediately to agape, which is the love of our friends. The moment I break up with a guy, I'm calling other guys on my ball team going, hey, do you play on Thursday nights? Is there a game? Or, you know, can we go out and you want to go out with your friends because you're going to have love. And if you're so miserable, you don't have erotic love and you have no friends. Um, there's always philos, which is the love of your family. And we've all known those families where they do everything together and that's yeah. all they do is with one another because that's how they define it. And then we all want to be competent at something. And that's the moon and the planet Mercury because Mercury rules communication. Um, and God gives every one of us a talent. And I think the first 18 years of your life is your job to figure out what is your talent? What is easy? What comes easy to you? What do you like to do? And then the rest of your life to exploit that talent, to find a way to capitalize on it. So astrology, knowing your astrological chart, helps you define what is normal for you. And once you realize that those things were written in stone the day you take your first breath, anybody that's got brothers and sisters knows my sister could not be more different than me. You know, uh, my brother, I, I'm, a, I'm an astrologer. I have one sister that's a psychic. I have another sister that worked for the police. And my brother's a lawyer. We kind of think he's like the black sheep of the family. <laughs> you know, and we had the same parents, ate the same food, went to the same schools, went to the same Catholic church, you know, had the same influences. But each one of us is radically different. Mm. And that's because we were all born at different times of day and, and different days of the year. And so my job with my clients is to say, hey, you is what you is, much like Popeye, I am what I am. <laughs> and instead of making apologies for what your wants and needs are, embrace them and say, this is my want, this is my need. Okay, Jana, what do I need to do to get those needs met? And, and what the astrologer sells is, and here's when you can get those needs met. Mm. You know, so it's a matter of, it's an easy way for me to...
without having to um, spend a whole lot of time asking a whole bunch of questions. You know, when you go to a psychologist and, and, you, and you say, well, you know, what, should, what do I do? And they go, well, how do you feel? Well, I, I feel like this. Well, what do you think I should do? And the psychologist goes, well, what do you think you should do? And it's like, dude, I'm paying you $125 an hour. What do you think I should do? And they go, well, you know, I don't really know. Take this Briggs and Meyer test or some other test and we'll do a bunch of stuff. And astrology goes, yeah, you're an Aries. You need to be the boss. Mm. You know, be you're a Taurus. You need to be conservative. See, you're a Gemini. You know, you need to be able to, to find a way to communicate as effectively as possible and reach the largest number of people. You know, D, you're a Cancer. You know, you want to do something with home and family and taking care of people and cooking and, and doing things that nurture people. You know, E, you're a Leo and you just want to be the star of the show. You know, each one, Virgo, you got to find a way to be humble service. And the trick to Virgo is we like to serve, but we are nobody's servant. Yes. You know, Libras need to be in partners. They, they can't do it alone. They need a partnership. They need to see whatever it is they're doing reflected in their partner's eyes. Mm. You know, Scorpios want to be in control. doesn't matter what they're doing. They need to be in control of it. Sagittarians go, man, we're a mutable fire sign. We don't want a whole lot of responsibility. We have not the fewest number of people elected president over Sagittarians. They're like, I, I just can't be in one place that long. I, I just can't be that responsible. You know, Capricorns, they want to build stuff. They want to be the top of whatever it is. Capricorn Sybil is the mountain goat, and they pick a goal, and they climb towards it. And if, they, and if you knock them down, they get up, and they dust themselves off, and they keep climbing. And then when they get to the top of the mountain, they look around, and they go, okay, is there another mountain here somewhere? And then they <laughs> climb that mountain because it's just how they roll. You know, Aquarians, I don't know what, I, I can never predict Aquarians. I don't know what they're going to, I have no, no luck with them because they don't know what they're going to do until about 15 or 20 minutes before they do it. Yep. You know, and then Pisces, the last sign of the Zodiac, they, they need to suffer. <laughs> Whatever it is they're doing, they have to give more than they get. Um, it's a very difficult, I think Pisces is probably the hardest sign of the Zodiac to be hmm. because its symbol is two fishes with its tails tied together. Mm. swimming in opposite directions mm. and there are a few and there are fewer um, Pisces than any other sign of the zodiac I thought it was me that I just ran into more Leos than anybody else but the truth is there are more Leos than any other sign of the zodiac and I mean like 20% more if you go to um, the almanac for statistics and you look up um, there's anywhere from 302 to 330,000 people born every month and, and so I go, okay, well, what's the difference? Well, the majority of people are born um, in July, August, and September, Cancer, Leo, and Virgo. Um, and they're, they're born during the summer when there's a lot of food available, and they're all conceived in Scorpio when it gets dark um, early and it's cold and there's not much to do, so you tend to do that. <laughs> and then the fourth, the fourth numerous sign is Scorpio. And they're all Valentine's babies. They're all conceived in Valentine's. So there are anywhere from... 330 to 340,000 people born in August. There are 302,000 people born in February and March. Hmm. And that's, to me, 20% is statistically significant. Yeah, that's you know, a so Yeah, yeah. So the fewest signs are, are Pisces, Aries, and uh, Taurus. So, Interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I thought it was me. I just ran into more of them. So astrology to me answers the questions that, that before I was introduced to astrology were unanswerable. The why, not the what, but the why, mm -hmm. you know, why, why do I always fall for this type of guy? Why, why do I, and I've had guys look at pictures of me with other guys and go, I don't remember that being taken of us. And it's like, yeah, no, that wasn't you. 
<laughs> as another dark hair, dark eyed, dark mustache guy, because that's what I like, you know, so. That's so fascinating. Okay. It so is. I, I want to talk about how do you leverage astrology, right? So obviously everybody knows their sun sign. That's the sign that, that is based on the right. month you were born, right? Or the 30, right. is it 30 days, 28 days? Yeah, 30 days, roughly. 28 okay. to Depends so on us, the long or short. Virgo. And so, well, first and foremost, if you have no idea what we're talking about and you're like, but wait, hold on. Can you just pause? I want to know what I am. I always have used astro.com. You can, you need to know your birth time. You need to know what time zone you're born in. And the reason you need to know that is twofold. Number one, um, there are 10 planets that we deal with in astrology and each one governs a particular set of energies. The sun is the left brain, the eye, the conscious side of your being, what you really are deep down inside, not necessarily the side you show to the public. Um, the moon represents your emotions, your non-conscious, your id. Where the sun is the I, the moon is the me. The difference between the sun and the moon are if you're eating a macadamia nut cookie and I say, hey, can I have a bite of that cookie? The sun sign says, well, yeah, I should share my cookie because that's what good people do. And the moon sign goes, hell no, that's my cookie. <laughs> you know. And then the sun sign goes, oh, grow up. There are plenty of cookies. And the moon sign goes, okay, but I hope you choke on it. <laughs> the sun's job is, is to hire you. The moon's job is the emotions, the me. Um, Mercury is the planet of communication. It's the operating system you incarnate with. Some of us are Dosses. Some of us are Macintoshes. Some of us think if this, then that. Others, the air signs go box, what box? Hmm. You know, and, and so the fire signs um, go with what they believe. The earth signs go with what they know. The water signs go with what they feel. And then the air signs go with what they think. Venus is the planet of love. It's who you love. It's what you love. It's how you define love. Mars is the planet of ego-oriented projection. It's where you project your ego out into the world. I, I think it's your dick. Everybody's got one. And Mars <laughs> says how aggressive or assertive it is or how passive it is. Um, and those are the planets that are inside the asteroid belt. And they are the personal planets. They make up the you, the emotions, the operating system you incarnate with, how you love, and how you project your ego out into the world. Um, the outer planets outside of the asteroid belt, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, Pluto, are really more important where they're placed in your chart rather than the sign that you're in, because Jupiter rules luck and abundance. It's where things come really, really easy to you. Saturn represents the cross we have to bear. Everybody's got one, and Saturn says what it is. It's lessons you have to learn, responsibilities you have to accept. Uranus is the planet of who the hell knows. It rules, it rules Aquarius. And it's like the cosmic paddle prod. Its symbol, its glyph actually looks like an H where the cross beam has like a little bomb dropping off it because wherever it goes, when it, when it impacts one of your planets, it blows that stuff up um, and makes you create new things because you had life had stagnated to one point or another. It's almost the planet of shit happens. It's the only way really to describe it. Neptune, to me, is one of the most important outer planets because it represents the generation you are, you are born into. It represents what you believe. And, and it's formed by, um, it lasts anywhere from 14 to 15 years in a sign. Um, and, and that's where our generations come from. The greatest generation was born between 1942 um, and 1957 uh, or so. And that's the Neptune and Libra generation. That's the, we think everything should be fair. Everybody should be equal. Um, what I have is yours, what you have is mine. We're looking for a soulmate, that, that which makes us vibrate complete. The generation born from 58, 57, 58 to the early 1970s is the Neptune and Scorpio generation. They're the drug, sex, and rock and roll generation. They're the generation that, drew, that grew up 
watching TV and things on TV and, and that had to do with sex, drugs, and rock and roll. You know, they get married, uh, but they don't take their husband's last names, you know, and, and they think, oh, you know, I, well, you get to 8, 10, 12 years out of the guy, you're ahead of the game, you know. <laughs> My generation goes, what? No, this is like till death me depart forever and ever. The generation after that, born from the early 1970s to the 1990s, is, is the Neptune and Sagittarius generation. That's me. Uh, and they have these unrealistic beliefs about, uh, <laughs> they, they kind of shunned organized religion because Neptune, uh, Sagittarius rules religion. Um, they, they march to their own drummer. Rules, not for us. We don't, we don't need to obey any rules. And they're the first generation that thought it was okay to have babies out of wedlock. You know, they did because... They saw Murphy Brown in the 90s. Which is coming a, back, by the way. Yeah, I know. Those <laughs> who don't remember the past. But she was the first one, mm -hmm. a professional woman, to have a baby out of wedlock and act like it was okay. You know, my generation, that didn't happen, man. You got knocked up and you were born between the 1942 and 59. You were sent to your cousin's house in Illinois, yep. you know, to have the baby. And then, and then you came back to town. So, um, And then after that is the poor generation born from 92 to to the early, uh, to the 2000s, and they are the Neptune and Capricorn generation that, that saw the dissolution of the nuclear family, the dissolution of businesses. They lived through the worst economic crisis in, in ever in history, and these guys don't even move out of the house anymore, <laughs> you know. <laughs> What's out they, there? Yeah, there's no guarantee. They don't, they don't really do the traditional business thing. That's the same time that corporate pensions went away, and, and so... To me, it's important to know what generation you belong to because what you believe is what it is that you see. Mm -hmm. It's not the other way around. It's not seeing as believing. It's whatever your belief structure is. That's what you will impose on the things that you see and interpret that way. The reason that's so important is that if you really want to change your life, we try so hard to change our reality to bring it into sync with whatever the hell our beliefs are. Um, and that just doesn't work because reality really represents what we believe. The easier thing to do is to look at the beliefs that you formed when you were 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, which are the, the way I always heard it should be, which is predicated by what you see on TV, what was going on in the world around you, what you were experiencing, forms your opinion of the way you heard it should be. Some of those beliefs are accurate. Usually when you get to your mid-40s, you find out that, I don't know who told me this, but they lied. Yeah. You know, that's a lie. Um, and then, and, and you get thrown into a turmoil because... You want to try desperately to bring your reality into sync with what your beliefs are, but your beliefs are invalid. You know, my generation really thought you could be the greatest wife, mother, you know, career person in the world, and you can't. You can do maybe two of those things, but you can't do all three. Yeah. You know, not unless you have somebody else raising your kids, you know, or you don't have any children. You know, then, then sure, Helen Gurley Brown could do that, but the rest of us couldn't really juggle all that stuff because it was a lie. You know, you can't do all of those things well and give all three of them your undivided attention. One, maybe two. Um, and so the way you change your reality is you change what you believe. If I believe that it's okay for a man to beat me and knock me around, I, I promise you I am going to attract men that think it's okay to beat me and knock mm -hmm. me around. I do not have that belief. I have Mars and Leo, which is why I have a gun strapped to my headboard. And the first time the guy like balls his fist, I was like, dude, I will blow your brains out. And they kind of stop and they look at you and go, Ah, she might. Yep. You know, and, 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 guess, and guess who doesn't get beat? Me. You yeah. know, because I, I don't attract that kind of man because I don't think it's okay. Right. You know, and, and that the way you change your life is you change. And it's so easy to change what you think and what you believe. You know, we're not in a totalitarian dictatorship yet where they tell us what, you know, 
we have to believe. You can believe anything you want in the United States. And your reality is then going to be based on the things that you manifest based on those beliefs. So if you want to change your future, you change how you think about something. And it's not that hard to do because it's inside your head. Bailey, you can't change what I think. Only I can change what I think and what I believe. You know, and so um, part, of may, a part of using astrology to me is understanding fully and completely what your wants are and what your needs are and making absolutely no apology for them and doing whatever it takes to get those wants and needs met according to how you define it, provided it's legal. You know, there's right. something, you know. <laughs> sure, there's that. <laughs> yeah, there's always that. So, but that to me is the beauty of understanding what your sun sign is, what your moon sign is. And the reason the astrologer wants to know what time of day you were born is for two reasons. Number one, the moon moves one degree every two hours. So over a 24-hour period, the moon can go from one sign of the zodiac into another sign of the zodiac, which has a completely different expression. The second thing the astrologer wants to know is the time you took your first breath, because whatever the zodiac sign is that is rising over the eastern horizon, at the moment you take your first breath, literally imprints itself on you and forms your personality, coming from the Greek word persona, meaning mask. And, and the reason we have the personality is that's the personality we project our identity through. That's the personality that we get our emotional needs met. So, and when you meet somebody, a lot of times you'll go, oh, you're a Virgo. I, I never would have guessed that, although they never say right. that about me. They, or you, we always guess Virgo um, because we're such nitpickers. Um, but, but what you meet first, and if you're born at dawn, between dawn and the first two hours after dawn, then you're an open book. What you appear to be is what you are. But when people are not born at dawn, say they're born at two o'clock in the afternoon or high noon or something like that, they have a totally different rising sign than their identity. And so that's when you meet somebody, you go, you know, when I met you, I thought one thing about you, but now that I come to know you, I see a completely different side of you. I have no idea because we don't reveal that right away. And so if you know what your sun sign is, if you know what your moon sign is, if you know what your rising sign is, you then know where your talents lie. And, and, and then when you take the energy of the planets, where they are today, like an astrological chart is a circle divided into 12 sections. Each section is called a house. Each house covers a particular set of energies. And that if you know that a planet is transiting through, say, your ninth house of the higher mind, because perhaps your rising sign is Gemini and the eclipse cycle is there right now, you would say... Golly, this is an excellent time to try to get a book published, <laughs> you know, and you will, and you'll, and so, and it takes about a year for Jupiter to go through a sign or the eclipse cycle takes 18 months to go through a sign. So, you know, you have that much time to put something into motion and to make it happen. And if it doesn't happen at the end of that 18 months, give it up, mm. you know, and I've also found, I've also found that when you're on the right path, the doors open. Everything is easy. It's sort of like that Nintendo game where you're driving along and you're, you take the wrong road and rocks come down and knock right. you off the path. It won't let the you. universe does the same thing. And it literally will throw up billboards if you're sentient enough to be aware of that. And we always look for, how do I create something? It's like, as soon as you change your mind and have a thought form about it, the universe, once we put it out into the universe and, and, it's the universe, it's God, it's Allah, whatever name you want to call that which can create something out of nothing. Mm. Um, as soon as you have 
a desire for something and a thought form about something, the universe goes, great, now I can work on it. Now I can manifest it. Sometimes it takes a little longer because, you know, there are a whole bunch of things that have to be involved to make something happen. Sure. It's not just, oh, there you go. Yeah, like, poof, there it is. It's not like that kind of magic. But in a sense, it is. And if you're aware of it, that's what Jonathan Livingston, the guy that wrote Jonathan Livingston Siegel, um, said in his book, Illusions, is you have to be aware that when you ask for something, that it manifests. And sometimes it doesn't manifest the way we ask for it. You know, we think, oh, it should be this way, but the universe goes, well, then what the hell did you ask for that for? Okay, you know, when so people's- I want to know. All right. So first of all, I could, <laughs> there's so much to unpack here, but I'm going to go with this first. So for those listening who, I think a lot of people that listen to this podcast are the kind of person that's like, okay, yeah, let's manifest. Let's make this happen. I just want to find my passion. I want to find my calling. I'm very anti-follow your passion, by the way, because I feel like it's not always what you're meant to do. But if somebody's like, well, sure, I want to find the career that's perfect for me. I want to, I want to do what comes naturally to me, but maybe I'm a little confused on what that is. What do you say to people when they come to you being like, I just need career help. Like, where the hell do I start? I start with what comes easy to you. What do you like doing? Right. And then we look for, because a lot of times following your passion doesn't result in a lot of money. No. Unfortunately. So you have I mean, to. everybody's good at what they love, unfortunately. Well, they are, but there's not, I mean, uh, there are people that, that love watching TV. Sure. And there just aren't that many jobs, although there are jobs available. There used to be jobs available for people who would watch TV shows. And they would look for mentions of stuff in TV shows. And they would log in and, and write down every time a product was mentioned or a character was mentioned or something was mentioned. And then, you know, for doing research before, of course, the internet made it easy just to Google things, Sure. you know? So um, the challenge is to find a way to make money doing what it is that you love. Mm-hmm. And if not, then it's called a hobby. Yes. Which is totally fine. Which is totally fine. I mean, there are a lot of people that like to sit there. Are a lot of people that like to sing and dance. Not everybody's going to get the lead in Matilda on Broadway. Right. You can still sing and dance. You can sing at your church. You can lift your voice and, you know, in joyful praise. You won't make money doing it per se, but you can still do it and be happy and be fulfilled. The trouble is we want to find a way to do what we love and make a zillion dollars doing it. And sometimes you get to do that, you know, but not all the time. Okay. So you, so my, my job is to make up, like, where can you look yeah. for clues? You can look for clues um, in, in your sun sign and then in whatever is in your 10th house of career and public standing because each, each house governs a particular set of affairs. If I'm looking for what career do I belong and I look to the 10th house and see what planets are in there, if there are any in there, and if, if it's empty, and some of them are. Like mine. Um, like yours. And then you look to the, um, the ruler of that plant, of that house. So if your 10th house, if you're a Gemini rising, your 10th house is Virgo. Pisces, minus. Your 10th house is Pisces. That's right. Virgo's on your fourth house. You want to be able to find a way to be a humble service to other people and help them reach their full potential without taking a whole lot of credit for it. And let's face it, you're a coach. You know, you're a coach. And because your rising sign is Gemini, you want to do it through visual communication skills, Why this is, which is why this is a video podcast instead of an audio podcast well, or just a written so that thing. that I can hit everybody, right? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. And Virgo is because you could do it better than anybody else. You know, and I get into the specifics. Well, I, and, and you, what you're asking me really because you're a Virgo is <clears throat> the specifics of how you do it. Not just, oh, look to the 10th house. What about the 10th house? Is it just the rule of the 10th house? And I then you look and see what, 
Well, all the details, all the details. What's the first thing you said? I look at this as data points. Mm -hmm. Nothing says Virgo like the word data point. <laughs> it is a very nerdy thing to say. It is. It's very Virgo. So you, over the, you know, the last 10 years, have found a way to indulge your passion. You, and you tried to do it in other ways um, that were not appropriate at the time. The time was not right for that. You had to wait for an eclipse in Leo um, and Aquarius, which started actually last February, to actually have the wherewithal and the technology and the ability to do that. So, and that's what I loved about Orson Welles when he said, not, not Orson, yeah, Orson Welles, when he said, everything happens in its own time, you know, and it really is. Timing is everything, right? And it's sort of like people go, when will I find love? And I always have to laugh because they go out looking for it. And it really is when, when um, one of the outer planets like Jupiter or Uranus um, are making a harmonious aspect to your Venus planet of love. Uh, and it's sort of like, do you remember the Pepe? You're probably too young for that. There was Pepe Le Pew as its little oh, yeah, cartoon. Oh, okay, well, Pepe Le Pew, you know, the thunderbolts would hit him. And whatever poor cat was walking by at the moment in time, oh, that blast of love hit him. That's who he fell in love with. And so it, it really is true that when the energy is there, whoever is walking by your line of sight at that time is who you will end up fixating on. You know, and if it's good, great. But if it's not, you'll go, oh, man, I wasted that energy. And that's why I'll tell women, you know, when they wonder, when am I going to find love? It's like, okay. And the universe hates a vacuum. And mm. just, it hates a vacuum. Whatever, wherever there is less of something, something will come in to fill it up. One, in your love life, if you have a crummy love life and you have a shitty boyfriend, um, the universe goes, well, you know, your love square is filled poorly. Yeah. You know, but it's filled. So, so you have to really then get rid of it. If get you rid of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because then the universe hates a vacuum and. The right guy can be Ooh, either that or buy a recliner. <laughs> could the same thing go for a career? No, no. Oh. The career, no, no. Actually, no, not with a career. Okay, uh, so with a career, you have, you have much better luck finding a job when you already have a job. Okay. I never, know. ever read because it's part of that energy that uh, nobody else wants you. Why would I want you? Interesting. That is so. I, I, oh, yeah, it is. With love, you, don't, you want to have a vacuum with a career? Absolutely not because then you'll stay on the couch forever. Okay, so and, somebody's and currently hating their job right now, but they, they know that there's something better for them and they're working on it. They need to tell every single person they come in contact with that they're looking for a better job, that they hate what they're doing and they're looking for a better job and they're looking in this area because nine out of 10 of us get our jobs through our friends. Thank you for saying that. There's, it's I've true. Networking is forever. the hugest thing in the world. I would much rather hire somebody that came to me recommended then go on monster.com and take a chance with some toad off. You it, know, just, a it doesn't list. work anymore, you guys. You're no, it, it, I don't ever think it ever did. Yeah. You know, they might know. run ads in the paper, but it still gets down to who do you know? It and does. networking and, and to do it outside your social circle. I tell, you know, my, my younger clients, and I'll go, what should I do? It's like, well, what sport do you like? I like softball. Join a co ed softball yep. team. Absolutely. You know, join a soccer team. Join a band club, a car club, a church club, whatever it is that you do or that you like to do, there's a group that likes to do that. Even if you like to wear crazy Klingon costumes, you know, there's a Klingon group. Yep, you can go to start. This for this reason. It, it does. And so, and, and, and it's through your friends that, and I can give you an example. My daughter moved to California during the greatest recession in history. She had a teaching degree, couldn't get a job to save her life. Finally, and she couldn't, it was, she couldn't even get an interview for a job because her teaching skills didn't really appear to translate although they should, of course, um, yeah. into the work that, that was available at the time. 
And so she went on Craigslist, found herself a softball team because my daughter does a lot of things, but she is an excellent softball player. And that. so she joined the softball team. And because she was that good, the team started winning and everybody likes to win. And, and so she was there for like two months and they go, yeah, we're going to play more and more. And she said, uh, uh, I may not be able to stay if I don't have a job. And one of the guys on the team said, what? And she said, no, I mean, I haven't been able to find a job. I'm out of money at the end of the month and I need to find a job or go back to Tampa. And he was like, the next day he went into his, he was a lawyer. He went into his lawyer shop and went to the <laughs> HR manager and said, hire this girl. And they said, what do you mean? He said, hire this girl. They said, for what? He goes, I don't care. You know, I don't care if she reads, you know, deposition, whatever it is, hire this girl so she can stay. You know, so they, I encourage works. people, that's cast your bread. And that gets down to the Bible where it says, you know, kind of cast your bread upon the waters and, and tell everybody you know. And some will go, yeah, my cousin has a job opening at this place. And, you know, if you give her her name and, you know, she'll help you walk, you know, through the, through the process. So People aren't Wait. mind readers. You have to give them enough knowledge yeah. to help you. It's I, so call that, I call that the elevator pitch. That's what the elevator pitch is. You know, you've got 30 seconds in an elevator to talk to whoever it is and tell them, here's what I do. Here's what I want to do. Here's what I'm available. Can you help me out? Yeah. And you don't harp on what you're currently doing if no. you want to keep doing that. Again, well, yeah. in your thoughts. And changing how you see yourself and how you want to see yourself is exactly you yourself. Exactly. You, you've seen, you've seen my career. Well, so, and to give you all background, um, Janet's daughter, Kiki and I went to college together. So yep. Janet and I have known each other since roughly like two years. You were a child since you were a child. A child. Um, so like 14 years. So she has seen, you know, my tumultuous career journey, right. Since graduating. And I have changed paths so many times. And but I no, actually, you've just changed where it is you did your job. You sure. have done the same type of job the entire yes. time because that's, that's what so you're good at. That's what right. you are so good at. I've taken and now, finally, different playgrounds, but it's the same. Yes, ball. but it's the same ball. Yeah. You know, and now you finally found the right playground for your so. job. Yeah, oh, I agree. I agree. Well, and I so. say this because, you know, although I have had a lot of different changes and a lot of different types of jobs, same essential roles. Um, I have always been able to project what I want to happen sure. in a way that has people around me able to help me and yeah. help guide me in that direction and give me opportunities because all of this stuff does not happen in a vacuum. Oh no. And, and not to be afraid to ask for help. Yeah. And people are afraid like it's going to diminish you in some way to ask for help. But I mean, I'm the first one. If that means I have to come in on my knees going, please, please, please. I Dust them off. Do you, you want know, it or no don't trouble. you? You know? You know, exactly. That's exactly right. You're punish yourself forever? Yeah. Because you'd rather no. just stick it out a little Well, Nobody some people it. do, and they stay in that kind of rut. You know, and they're the Eeyores of the Zodiac. And there are people that- are not listening to this podcast. The people that yeah, listen to this podcast true. are the want to be empowered. They want to be empowered. They want to yeah. love their lives. Yeah, yeah. I do. I have a, I have a website, um, and on it, I do an annual overview. And my annual overview, it's a little wordy because I am a Virgo. Um, but it is dead on. And I, and I posted them back from, 19, from 2014. So you can look back at that one and then the 2015 one and 2016 like and 2017. That. I like looking yeah, at Yeah, to see. I do too, to see. Yeah. Because sometimes it takes that to put into perspective. Yes. Because we deal in the here and now. We deal in the right this minute. We deal in the right this minute, the next two, three weeks. Beyond that, we have a very hard time equating an event that occurred in October with something that's happening now or an event that occurred say, at the last set of eclipses between August 9th and, and August 21st. We have a hard time seeing that stuff that we put into motion then is coming to be now, yeah. you know, and you can modify it a little bit. And the astrologer's job is to say, okay, this is the time when I counsel somebody. 
Um, and I'll go, didn't you meet somebody in October? Didn't you have a conversation with somebody that could have been a mentor and you weren't really ready? And they go, oh, yeah, that person. Well, what happened with that? Well, I kind of ignored it. You're an idiot. You know, <laughs> God put this in your path and this person offered to help you. And, and why wouldn't you accept their help? You know, that kind of thing. And to help them see, or, or to say, this is not the right time for this to occur. That doesn't mean there won't be a right time for this to occur. It's just not right now. So do these other things. And then in two months, in four months, you know, this will occur. It's like understanding the cycle of Jupiter. Jupiter is the money planet. It's the planet of luck and abundance. I call it the money faucet. Well, it goes forward and direct for 10 months. And then it stops and it backs up for four months. And it's like during the 10 months that Jupiter is forward and direct, the money faucet is turned on. And then literally, and I, I've seen it, and I never understand why a tiny pinpoint of light so many miles away, there's no really good explanation as to why. Um, but I, I just know that when the money faucet's on, everybody's making money. When the money faucet turns off, which it will do like the 8th, 9th, 10th of March, and it doesn't come back on until July, um, we'll turn off then. So what I tell my clients is, okay, between... May when it turned on the last time and March when it turns off, you threw a whole bunch of stuff up on the wall. Not all of that is going to stick mm -hmm. and during, and nor should it all stick. Um, and then during the four months that it's backward, it's going back and it doesn't really go backwards. It's an optical illusion, like watching a wagon wheel on TV. And this is the retrograde, right? That everybody right, the retrograde, yeah. yeah. Well, they freak out because all of the planets except for the sun and the moon go retrograde. Mercury does it every 90 days. It goes forward for 90 days, stops, goes backwards for 21 days, and then goes forward again. That's the most frequent. Yeah, that's the most frequent. Venus retrogrades every 14 All months. Bad rap. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mars retrogrades once every 20. It's doing that this summer. Mars goes into Aquarius in probably May and stays there through October. Mm -hmm. and, and between June and August, it's retrograde, meaning going backwards. So, and that's, that's when you tend to re-examine because each planet rules a different set of energy. So Mercury is when it goes backwards, you have communication in mistakes, miscommunication, misunderstandings, computer, everything goes wrong. As far as I don't, I planes don't go on time, you know, just stuff messes up. When Venus is retrograde, love is what you look at in your life and go, okay, are my love needs being met? And if they are great. And if they aren't, old loves come back in your life to see if you're still mad. Mm. You know, most of the times we still are. Mm -hmm. um, and then when Mars goes retrograde, it's like saying, okay, you've been doing something for 22 months. Now let's kind of narrow it down into something that you can really manage and do something with. Mm -hmm. When Jupiter goes retrograde, it means, okay, the money faucet's off for now. Deal with the things you already put into motion. Complete the things you've already started mm -hmm. rather than taking on new things. You know, and Saturn, Saturn does the same thing. It goes retrograde. I love it when that does because that takes the heat off you. You yes, know, Saturn's so. kind of intense. Actually, that brings me to a point. Tell me about um, return of Saturn. What does that mean? Oh, your Saturn return. Yeah, 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 yeah. Saturn takes two and a half years to go through a sign of the Zodiac. So over a 29-year period, it's gone through all 12 signs of the Zodiac, and it's returning back to where it was when you were born. And what that means is that since there are 12, 12 affairs of life, Saturn has you've experienced restrictions and delays in every phase of your life. You've had personal restrictions and delays. Sometimes there's physical ailments. You've been broke. You know, you haven't had any freedom of movement. You've lived in a car. You know, you've had, you've gotten people, you've lost people. With love affairs, you've had love affairs, you've had them, you've lost them. With work, you've had jobs, you've lost jobs. And, and so at, at the 29-year mark, you go, okay, I've seen it all once. Now I know what the rules are. 
mm-hmm. and the next 29 years you because you know when you're younger you're like I'm gonna change everything and then you get to be about 30 you go yeah no is that so that's fascinating I'm whenever I talk to people on this podcast I find that there's there's something that happens around 22 23 and then there's uh, freedom and change freedom and change that's the first Uranus square Occurs uh, at twenty one to twenty two. Okay, so freedom and change says around twenty two, twenty three. They start to feel stuck, or right. they start to feel trapped in their that job. there's that there's no freedom for them, yes. no freedom of movement. That happens at twenty one. The Saturn return happens at twenty eight to twenty nine, twenty nine to thirty. Because sometimes it moves faster or slower than than other times, um, and that's the time of putting away of childish things. When when you're yeah. twenty eight or twenty nine, I think men should get married after they're twenty eight. I don't think their marriage, I think it's very hard to be married to a God before he has put away childish things. Yeah, you know, women can get married earlier, but men, not so much. That's you know, so they're not done running around and playing with the boys. So the 28 to 30 marker, those two, those two timeframes come up in almost every conversation. Right. And also, if you think about it, you know, a thousand years ago, if you lived to be 29 or 30, you know, you've lived to be old. You know, you, got, you got married at 13, 14 or 15. You had kids right away. They were growing up, getting married. You know, that that was actually a life cycle was 29 to 30 years. So we've extended that. And de facto, by by extending our length of life, we've extended our childhood Hmm. to where we used to be out on our own working when you're 13, 14, 15. You got married. You were having babies. As soon as you could reproduce, you were. You know, so, um, and at 21, you just want to be free. And that's usually after you graduated from college. You know, you're not, you're not a college kid anymore. You've gone from boys to men. Um, and, and you want to be your own boss. That's the yeah. 21. 29 is. Wall of and, then, and then the second Saturn return when you're 58 is when you're starting to wind things down. Mm. You know, going, I'm looking towards retirement. I don't want to work that hard anymore. I don't want to be the greatest whatever. I know what the rules are and I want to play inside the rules. You know, it's your strange. Jupiter, yeah, the it's different eras. Yeah, and to your point, like, you used to get one main life cycle, and then it was over. I yeah. think you're getting, like, sometimes two, three. three. Yeah. yeah. Which, I mean, does yeah. it just, is it basically the same feeling, but maybe more mature at that sure. point? Sure. Well, for example, um, I, I, I always wanted to coach. When I graduated from college and I got a job making $7,900 a year, I went, holy crap, there's no money in this. You know, like I, somebody should have, yeah, like $7,900 a year in nineteen seventy. No, that was not going to cut it for me. Not when I was making $10,000 a year working three nights a week as a barmaid. Right. You know, sort of like, wait, uh, somebody should have told me this before I picked this career. Um, so, so I did not pursue it. I realized that there was way more money in being an astrologer than there was in being a, um, a coach. So I didn't coach. And when my husband got killed and I needed a job, I became the star goddess, which was way more lucrative than coaching. Well, at 59, at 60, is when I, because I'm a widow, I got my first social security retirement check. And I thought, holy crap, all I need to do is to breathe to get one of these every year. And that's when I started high school coaching Mm because there's no money in high school coaching, but it is still my passion, you know? And now since I don't need the money, I, I coach, I don't make any money doing it, but it's my passion. I love doing it. It's my second career. And because I, as a Virgo, I have to be good at whatever I'm doing. You know, it took, it took us four years, but we won a state championship, you know? So, and so that's what I, that's why when you retire, that's when you do the things you've always wanted to do, but couldn't make any money doing, oh, you know, so I that, love that. that's, that's the second Saturn return. Yeah. That's the midlife crisis is also a very, very, 
Although psychologists say, oh, there's no such thing. Astrologers go, absolutely. Is that the second 21-year-old thing? Yes, that's the 42-year-old thing that happens when you're between. Now it's happening because of where the way the planets move. It's happening um, when you're 40 to 42 instead of 42 to 44. There are two major transits that occur at that time. The first one is Uranus opposing Uranus. And that's when you wake up one day and you go, you know what? I don't know where the hell I thought I was going to be. I just know for sure it's not here. Yeah. And, and you start to get this last chance feeling that if I don't do it now, I'm never going to get the chance to do it. I must, I must do it now mm. to where I express my uniqueness as a being. Mm. Um, and that's when you start to make dramatic, very rash changes in your life. The trouble with that is on top of that, maybe a year or so into that transit, is your Neptune square. Because Neptune takes 14 years to go through a sign. Oh. And so, yes, yes, so what yes, is that? yes. So that is Neptune square. Neptune is where you look around and you go, this is not the way I heard it should be. I was then something else. Yes. I, I, and where is my happy ever after? You know, you start to look for that. So when you take the, the Uranus, Uranus square, and I'll say to my clients, okay, I, I agree. Some parts of your life are not working. But do we have to blow it all up right now? Can't we blow up a part of it now? And then a part of it in a year or two and a part of it, you know, after that, it's like, okay, I know you're not happy in your marriage, but you have no skills. You have no talents. You have three kids. So if you get divorced, how are you going to support those children? So you know, wait, and how so, do you explain my 25 year old life explosion? <laughs> Does that correspond to anything or was that just the, the quarter lifer thing? That oh, yeah. one. Yeah. Um, Remember that time I got a divorce and I, I do. Well, it's because you married the wrong guy. That's also true. Um, I think at that time that could have been a Neptune square. I'm not sure. Yeah, who knows? It was a hell of a disaster. It, but was. it was a good but one. But it worked out okay because you got rid of all the stuff you didn't want. I sure did. You I learned a whole, but more importantly, but more importantly, you learned what you did want. Yes. And it helped you separate the wheat from the chafe, and 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 put yourself on a path where everybody went, "What the hell are you doing?" And you went, "I'm going to do what's right for me, and this is what's right for me. And if I think my destiny is in California, I'm going to California." Yeah. And, and look what happened. You found your destiny. Yeah. The de it was right here the whole time. Who knew? Yeah. Right whole there. So. Um, and each individual, each individual, when you have 10 planets, and so you have 10 planets when you're born, and then you have those same 10 planets are moving in their orbits around the sun. And what an astrologer does to predict what's going to happen is they look at where the planets are today, and, and, and they angle them off where they were when you were born. If they are harmonious or a soft angle, either 60 degrees apart or 120 degrees apart, it's easy to make those changes. Mm. It's the oppositions and squares that keep astrologers in business. Oh. You know, because so? that's, what does that mean? Because a square calls to you to eliminate structures that have outlived their usefulness in your life. And we are terrified of change. Yeah. We're, as a rule, we're designed to you know, keep the status quo. And even if it's a shitty status quo, the devil you know is better than the devil you don't know. Yep. Um, and sometimes they need some encouragement to say, and that's what astrology can do. You can say, okay, if you take this action now, let's look at how you're going to feel in a year. And then I'll show them what they're going to look, you know, feel like in a year. And I'll go, what would have to happen now to be able to make that happen in a year? What, what event would have to transpire? Wait. Okay, hold on. Before you move on, this is so perfect. So the whole goal of this podcast is to talk about the one-year career, make big moves with small steps. Yeah. And the whole point of the small steps is exactly that. It's, okay, a year from now, where do you want to be? What are yeah. all the things you need to do? Now to, to make, make that happen. happen. Exactly. So how and, also, and also, if it's that. never going to happen, I'll right. say it's never going to happen. Yeah. You know, yeah, you could give it a shot, but I'm telling you right now, it's not going to happen. 
you know but this is what you can make happen and this is much more realistic this is going to have a much better chance of success and then you build on those small successes yeah. is what you do so yeah, you, um, have to, you have to celebrate the wins. You have to pay attention yeah, along yeah. the way to see what's working and what isn't. And, and we, want to, you know, we, want the big, we want the big score. We want to do it right away. We want it in one fell swoop. And I've heard people say, oh, I don't even, I don't even bother to buy a lottery ticket, but it's only a million dollars. And I think, man, a million dollars would definitely change the standard of my living dramatically. I'd be all right. You know, yeah, I'd be okay with that. You know, yeah, but I like to win a $400 million. Yeah, but I'd take a million. I sure. would take uh, you know, a $50 scratch off. I'd go, woo, let's go. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so you have to, and, and you have to be realistic in your expectations. And that, to me, is the astrologer's job, is to help you mm. have a realistic expectation of what you can accomplish during a calendar year. And I hate astrologers that go, and this is going to happen to you 10 years out and 20 years out. And it's like, oh, that's bullshit. You might not even be alive tomorrow. This is yeah. true. And, and that's one thing we can't predict is date of death. You know, I could, you just can't. So there's a lot of things you can do with it. Yeah, no kidding. It's interesting. We could talk about it for days and days. I know, so. I know. I've I've been fascinated with astrology since Kiki, Janet's daughter, brought, yeah. you know, the what is it, the only astrology book you'll ever need? Yeah, ever need, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Our college bar that we worked at. Yeah. And would just, anytime we had downtime in our shift, we'd be like, okay, let's read. Let's you know, look about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how I started with Linda Goodman's Sun Signs. Usually a guy drives you to it, so. <laughs> I think I, I've just, again, I think it's the data points. I love all of the personality yeah. assessments, yeah. numerology, yeah. astrology. Yeah. Give me all of it. One there are some really good astrological sites out there. I didn't have to write yeah, a book because- favorites? Uh, my favorite one is Cafe Astrology, more so mm -hmm. than Astro.com, because it writes it in English so you can understand it. Oh, uh, so it's just very plain. It, no, it's very detailed, but it's in English. You can still put in your date, time, place of birth, and it'll call up your chart, but it will give you an explanation of it in English, where Astro.com, you kind of have to know how to use it. You have True, to know what an Astro cartography is. Yeah, that's a good The very best Cafe Astrology, best site on there. Okay. You, you cannot go wrong with that site. And then if you're going to buy one book on astrology, this is the whole reason I don't write a book, is by Debbie Kempton Smith. And it's called uh, Secrets from a Stargazer's Notebook. Okay. We'll link to this, by the way, guys. And it I has everything that you need to know and didn't know who to ask or how to ask. Yeah. And I it's mean, even got, it's got charts, it's got ephemeris in it. Otherwise, you have to get a big ephemeris like this. Yeah, and that's got, what, my every book. single thing that's ever Yeah, been. that's from, yeah, this is the Nephemeris that runs from uh, 1900 to 2050, and it's a table of planetary motion. Yeah, it's And intense. it goes in four-month four, four increments. It looks like um, stock market, like. Yeah, <laughs> it does. It, yeah, it's got a lot to do with it, so. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, I could go on for about 500. I know. We'll have to come back because I got other stuff I got to do. Yeah. You know, we got to get on with our days. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I got other stuff I got to do. So, yeah. My phone's Janet, dying. So, always a pleasure. Always. I love you. I love Send people to my website, janetskialis.com. More information than you ever needed. There's a cute little section on um, videos of, of each one of the 12 signs of the zodiac, links to that, so you can see what you're getting into. So, it's just, and if I can be of service, keeps on giving because you yeah. can't possibly know everything about yeah, it. Yeah, no, and I still learn about it. So, and if they if they want personal consultation, I'll go to their personal you know services page and see what you need. Janice, the so. real deal, you guys. Always the a pleasure. Star goddess. The Thank star you goddess. So much. All right, bye everybody. Bye, honey.